worship. Let's give the worship team a hand. So that may that be our life song, that he would see us in whatever we do or say, that he would see us. So it's a joy to be here with you today. Um, I often talk to my wife about you guys, how much I not only love you guys, but I like you and have enjoyed being your pastor here for a year and three months. It's been a blessing and uh, we've been along a, an exciting journey together. So um, we're going to finish our Armor of God, part three. And we're going to focus on that last piece, the invisible piece, the piece that energizes the seven pieces of armor, and that's the power of prayer. Speaking of prayer, there's a story told of an elderly woman that was known to be a woman of faith and prayer, and she would often sit on her front porch and praise God for his goodness and grace. The only thing is, is her neighbor was an atheist and did not like to hear her praises or her hymns or songs of praise. So one day um, she was asking God to help her because she was having a financial slump. And she said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I need groceries, praise the Lord. So the atheist neighbor happened to be sitting on his porch without her knowing it. And he said, I want to show this lady that there is no God. So he went to the grocery store that night. And the next day he put it on her front porch. And as the lady went out for her morning prayer time, she saw a very sizable bag of groceries on her front step. And she started lifting her hands to the sky, praising the Lord for the groceries. The atheist went out in front of her and said, Honey, you got to understand, I bought the groceries for you last night. There is no God. And she said, well, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. She said, Not only did God give me groceries, but he asked the devil to pay for it. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the power of prayer. And we're going to be concluding Ephesians. And as I said, next week... We're going to be doing, as, as guys would know, the highlight reel, the top, the top highlights of Ephesians. So in your connection card, if you have any favorite verses that you want to talk about or favorite stories, we're going to be covering the highlight reel, summarizing over 20 messages in one summary next Sunday. So um, if you will turn in Ephesians 6, and we're going to finish the book, verses 18 through 24. How many of you have enjoyed this series the past few months? Amen. I don't know about you, but I've been changed by it. And God has really spoke to me through the, through the, the preaching and through the studying of his word. Uh, start at verse 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. In verse 19, you notice Paul starts to get personal. He says, and pray for me that utterance may be given to me. That I may boldly, my mouth may boldly. To make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you. Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Father, we pray your blessing on your word as we look into your word, speak to us. And Father, help us truly understand that prayer 
is not just something we talk about, but something that we experience and that we do and we experience the transformative nature of prayer. Help us to see that prayer is what energizes the entire armor of God. Help us, Lord, to be the people who pray, who talk to you, and help our lives be forever changed through this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you'll take your listening guides, today we're going to talk about this secret weapon. We've talked about all of the armor of God. And last week we gave you a little preview of the secret weapon. This week we're going to do an entire message on prayer. So the first point is this. The Christian secret weapon is the P3 weapon. It is passionate and persistent prayer. Look at verse 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Sidlow Baxter once said, men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. So if you're having someone at work or family that you just don't get along with, guess what? They can't overcome your prayers, so pray for them. Your secret weapon is an invisible one. It's passionate and persistent prayer. So how do we unleash this power? Just a little review from last week. In verse 18, there's five secrets. The first one is this. Pray persistently. Notice it says praying always with all perseverance. Martin Luther said pray as though everything depends upon you, but work. Excuse me, let me rephrase. Pray as everything depends upon God, but work as everything depends upon you. A lot of times we ask God to do something, but we don't do our part. And verse 18 unleashes where it says pray persistently. That would imply that you've got to keep on keeping on. A lot of times we like to say one prayer and be done with it. But if you really want to unleash the power of prayer, you have to be persistent. You have to continue on. My wife's in the nursery right now, so I'm going to tell a story about her. But I started praying for her from the time I was 15 till I guess I was 25 when I met her. 26. So over 10 years of praying. I still remember as a high school student, we have some high school students here. I don't know why, but I just started really passionately praying for my future wife at 15. And it took 10 years for her to come along, but it was the worth the prayer. And I'm glad. But if, if I would have given up, I'm sure God would, would have came through. But it's that persistent prayer that unleashes God's power. The second thing, if you look on your outline, um, this is a quote that we, we talked a few months ago about Bill Hybels. I love his saying. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. But if you are wrong, God says grow. Now listen to this. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. I think that's unleashing the power of persistent prayer. Number two, pray comprehensively. You notice verse 18, it says, With all prayer for all the saints. Now, it's really hard to be comprehensive if you're not organized. And some of you who are more spontaneous in nature, like myself, organization is something you have to strive for. So something that's personally helped me, just a little tip, is to keep a prayer list. Some of you may keep a journal. For me, I'm kind of a tech junkie, so on my iPhone, I have the to-do list, and I create to-dos in prayer. Once God answers the prayer, or I finish praying as God leads, I'll, I'll put completed. And that helps keep me organized. And my old school prayer list I used to have on a Microsoft Word document, I would divide it into four categories. I would have it family, 
friends, the church, and the big picture. And the big picture would be like missionaries, the president, uh, pray for the persecuted church. But those four categories help keep me organized. My family, my friends, church matters, and big picture or world matters. That would help me. So pray comprehensively. Not only that, but pray personally, number three. Notice it says, with supplication. Now, supplication is something that not just for yourself, but for others, it's more of a passionate plead. You know, when you, when you have supplication before God, it's like you earnestly asking God to come through. Do you remember those days in your early Christian experience when you had those gut-riching, tear-watering prayers where you're just on your face before God? What happened to that? Why did you stop praying that way? Did you notice that when you prayed that way, it seemed like God moved heaven and earth to come to you? I mean, it says supplication. Keep praying. Um, some of you are familiar with one of my friends. I mentioned him on Wednesday night. He uh, wasn't expected to live. And um, he was on vacation. His heart started going out. And it was a major emergency. And, and many of you and um, his family were praying. And he made it back and... He's had a subtle recovery, like he's back home and he's making it. And it's those passionate pleads, personally, for others that God hears. When Robert Louis Stevenson was a boy, he told his mother, Mama, you can't be good without praying. She said, well, how do you know that? He's like, I've tried and it doesn't work. It reminds me of another story of a little boy that was sent to time out. And uh, he came out after a few minutes and he said, Mama, I prayed about it. And she said, Good. Son, if you pray, God will help you to be better and to be more like Jesus. And he said, Well, Mama, I didn't pray for me. I prayed that you would have a more understanding heart. So it's amazing when you pray what can happen. Number four, to unlock the secret weapon of passionate, persistent prayer is pray with assistance. You notice it says, In the Spirit. And a prayer group, by the way, a little plug for them, they meet at 9 o'clock right behind stage here. And they pray for you guys as you listen to your Sunday school classes, as you listen to the message, the worship, that you would be receptive. And the amazing thing is God's Spirit enables us to pray even when we don't know what to pray. If you're taking notes, you may want to write down Romans 8, 26 and 27. It says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, prays for us with groans which words can't express. So aren't you glad when you don't know what to pray or how to pray, the Holy Spirit inside of you is praying for you? Now, you ever think about this? This is kind of a mystery, okay? The Trinity, right? So let's think about the Trinity in prayer. It says the Holy Spirit is praying to you. And by the way, Jesus is also praying for you to the Father. So think about it like this. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. And the Father is God. So whenever the Holy Spirit's praying to you, and often he's talking to Jesus about you, and Jesus is going to the Father for you. Have you ever thought about like this? God is talking to God, is talking to God about you. Isn't that mystery? Think about that. God is talking to God, is talking to God about you. And you thought you weren't that important. I mean, God is the heavenly team coming together. One God in three persons praying for you. That's how much he cares about you. So pray with assistance. Look on your listening guide, the quote from Ian Bounds. He says, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better new organizations or novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. It makes me think of James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
Number five, not only should we pray with assistance, but with expectation. Notice it says being watchful. Being watchful. I love the quote by Thomas Watson. He said, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. You ever think about that? That's beautiful. The angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was the prayer that fetched the angel. The story is told of Dallas Theological Seminary. I know some of you are from Texas. In the early days, they were really struggling financially. And they needed $10,000 just to keep the seminary going. And they didn't know what to do, so they had a prayer meeting. And famous Bible teacher Harry Ironside said a, a, a very unique prayer. He said, God, you own the cattle on 10,000 hills. And God, if you would just sell some of those cattle, that would really help us. And he just said, prayed a simple prayer. The prayer meeting dismissed. And shortly thereafter, a check showed up at Dallas Theological Seminary. Guess for how much? $10,000. It's a true story. And they, they found out that the, the check obviously was sent days, if not weeks, before this prayer meeting. The friend wasn't even aware of the need. And when they asked him, where did this money come from? He said, I sold a few cattle. And this was part of my tithe money. Now think about that. God, in his connection, he already had the supply on the way. And he put that prayer on the Bible teacher's heart, Mr. Ironside. God can supply. Amen. So maybe a prayer. Some of you are struggling. God, you own the cattle on the 10,000 hills or whatever. I, sell some of this cattle for me. I need, I need a little help here. Amen. So, number two. Prayer can help you have the right words even when you don't know what to say. You ever just don't know what to say? Don't know what to pray? Look at what Paul says in verse 19. He says, and for me, pray for me, that utterance may be given to me. Now, I want you to think about this, and I have this in your listening guide notes. The Apostle Paul, the man who started at least 14 churches, perhaps as many as 20 churches in the Asia area, um, the man who wrote 13 out of 27 New Testament books under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're talking about the guy who's writing Scripture, the guy who God is speaking to. He's asking the church to pray for him. So think about this. If Paul needed prayer, and you think about Jesus, he prayed, and he even asked his disciples to pray with him. You remember what happened? They fell asleep each time. If Jesus needs prayer and Paul needs prayer, while they were on earth, how much more do you and I need prayer? So it's okay to ask. Some of you hesitate and say, well, I don't ever ask anyone to pray for me personally. Well, Paul, Paul did. Jesus asked his disciples to watch with him and pray with him. So it's perfectly okay to ask for prayer. So don't ever be pseudo-spiritual and say, I, I'm not going to ask personally. Because you know what? God wants you to ask. If you need prayer, just ask. Amen? And if you will write your request, even as a church on those connection cards, we will pray for you. You can uh, email Brother Kirby or anyone on the prayer team. They'll pray for you. So we have a whole prayer connection going on to ask God to help. For those of you who have grandkids and kids, I thought this was good. One father taught his, his children three types of prayers. There are please prayers, thank you prayers, and sorry prayers. So please prayers. These, these would be what, as Bible students would say, are petitions and supplications. Please, God, come through for this. So you can teach your children there's please prayers. God, please come through. There are thank you prayers. These are praise and thanksgiving prayers. God, I thank you so much for being a good, good father. 
Thank you, Father. And then there's sorry prayers. Those are the prayers when you do what? When you mess up, when you need to ask forgiveness. So think about it. That's good, the- good theology for adults, right? Please prayers, thank you prayers, and sorry prayers. Number three, unleashing the power of this secret weapon of prayer is prayer helps you to have the courage even in the most difficult situations. Look at verse 19. It says, That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak it boldly as I ought to speak. Many of you have heard of John Bunyan. He was a famous pastor um, several hundred years ago. Actually, uh, 1600s. And he actually got thrown into prison because King Charles of England said that the Church of England was the only official church. And if you weren't preaching through the license of the Church of England, you couldn't preach. The problem is John Bunyan was uh, a preacher that you don't tell him what to preach. He was going to preach. So they threw him in prison. And they were going to let him out if he would just sign a document that I would not preach except for the Church of England. And he would not sign it. What made it hard for John is he had three children, three small children at the time. And one of them was a blind daughter named Mary. Now, for you dads, can you imagine you could be released at any moment if you just sign this document? You have a wife and three kids, depending on you. And he said, I will not sign this document. I can't do it in good conscience. So every Saturday, his, his wife and... And three small children would go visit him. And what really touched his heart is Mary. You know, she, she couldn't see. And he's like, I want to do something special for Mary. So behind bars for 11 years total, he wrote, wrote her a book that he wanted to paint a picture of the Christian journey that his blind daughter could understand. And he came out and wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress. It's one of the most best-selling Bible stories uh, other than the Bible and if you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, it's a great book. It's about a guy named Christian and on his journey to, uh, to heaven and everything that went through. So as he got released, he wrote this. So I want you to think about the boldness he had. Like Paul, in this passage, Paul prayed for one thing and he said boldness to share the gospel. In another passage in Romans 1.16, Paul said it like this. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So let me talk to the ladies for just a moment. For those of you ladies who are married or hope to be married. Imagine your husband or husband-to-be. Imagine if you found out, God forbid, but that he was ashamed of you. He supposedly had an office desk. And he had a picture of all the kids, but he didn't have your picture on his desk. Imagine if he had a Facebook account. And him, him and all of his guy friends were on there, but he didn't have a single picture of you. How would that make you feel? All right, some of the ladies are already worked up. This is just hypothetical, not real story. Um, so here's the thing. Paul would present it like this. The one who loves you the most, the one who gave himself for you, he died for you, Jesus Christ. We can't be ashamed of the one who has endless love for us. Because imagine... If we're ashamed of Christ and we're ashamed to share the gospel, it's the same thing of like your spouse saying, I don't want a picture of you. I'm not going to, people won't even know I'm married. I mean, think about that. That's kind of the same application is that if you're passionate about someone or something, you share it freely because it's worth it. Amen. Paul not only prayed for boldness, but he prayed for courage. 
that God would help him to stand up even in a world where everyone else is sitting down. Where is Paul at this time? He's writing from a Roman prison, right? He's awaiting trial, and we know eventually he gets executed. But he's praying that even though he's in prison, that he would be bold for Christ. So Paul could easily have a lot of excuses. My question for us is, what is my excuse and what is your excuse? Why are we not passionate about God anymore? You used to be, right? When you first became a believer, you were so passionate, you want to tell everybody. But somewhere along the way, the fire just kind of simmered down. And you know what will change it is prayer. Ask God to give you a passion like the same time of when you first believed. And God will change that and He'll add that. Amen? So church, it's time to stand up even when everyone else is sitting down. We need to stand up for justice. We need to stand up for the gospel. We need to stand up for the marginalized, those who are less fortunate. We need to stand up for those who need a second chance in life. If you won't stand up for them, who will? It's time for us to stand. Amen? So if you notice and you're listening, God, I have a few tips for how to share the gospel. Because some of you are like, well, Timothy, it's easier for you. You're a pastor or whatever. But, you know, the thing is we're all called to share the gospel, not just for pastors or worship leaders or Sunday school teachers. It's every believer. Because if Jesus Christ is forgiven and set you free, he wants you to share that message that they can be forgiven and set free. So here's some practical tips. The first one is start a prayer list for those who need Jesus the most. If you are praying for those who need salvation, you know what's going to happen? God's going to begin to work on their life and their heart. And often he will present an opportunity for you to share Christ with them. Number two, build a relationship first. It's a saying we've heard a lot, but people don't care how much you know until what? They know how much you care. So build relationships with that person. Number three, win the right to be heard. A lot of times in today's post-Christian culture, people will not listen to you until you have a relationship, until you win the right. I wish it was back to the day where you get to share Christ and they would respond immediately. And sometimes that happens. But in today's culture, people need to know that you really love them and you really care for them. People need to know even if you reject Jesus, I'm still going to love you. That's the kind of heart that Paul would encourage us to have. Number four, share your story. Some of you are like, well, I don't know a lot of Bible verses. I don't know, you know, a bunch of salvation scriptures. Well, do you know your story? Your story is divided into three parts. The first one is who you were before you met Christ. The second part is how did you meet Jesus? And the third is how has your life changed since? That's your testimony. And then don't forget the ABCs of salvation. I put that in your notes the, the A is acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that Jesus is God. He died on the cross. He rose again. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of grace. The B is believe. Believe that Jesus lived the perfect life that you couldn't live. Believe that Jesus is the only one who can save you. It's not anyone else but Jesus Christ. And then the C is confess. Confess your sin and your need for a Savior. Inviting Jesus into your life. So this ABC kind of helps you. If you're leading someone through the plan of salvation, it helps you lead them to salvation. And finally, the ask, would you like to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? A lot of times we present the gospel, but we never give the follow-up question, would you like to do that today? Sometimes we get we kind of wig out and hesitate, but go ahead and ask. If you present the gospel, ask them, are you ready to receive Christ? What's holding you back? So a final word from Paul as we close out this letter God's mission is too big for you to do alone. 
Look at verses 21 and following on your outline. It says that you, but that you may also know my affairs and how I'm doing. I've sent Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister in the Lord. He will also make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Did you know that if you're called to a God-sized mission, you can't do it alone? Even Jesus had 12 apostles, right? You can't do it alone. So if what you're doing in life you can do alone, I would present to you perhaps maybe you don't have a God-sized mission. So for people that think they can you know, not go to church and they can still do God's mission, all through Scripture, all these commands, these one another's of Scripture, you need people to do it with you. Most of you have never heard of Wilbur Chapman. He was a famous Bible teacher. And when he was young, he tells a story when he was young and had one of his first churches. He went to a church in Philadelphia. And after his first sermon, this older gentleman came up to him and basically said, Son, you're, you're a little too young to pastor this church. But you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And I've got two other guys in the congregation to pray for you. And at first, uh, Mr. Chapman thought this guy was just being critical and negative. But because he said, I'm going to pray for you, that changed his heart. He's like, maybe the guy does have my best interest in mind. So that prayer group of three became a prayer group of ten. And then it grew to twenty, and then fifty, and then two hundred people were praying for him to be filled with God's Spirit and anointing as he preached. And you know what happened over three years? Mr. Chapman said, every time I got in the pulpit, I felt God's power and anointing because 200 people had prayed for me that morning. And all of a sudden, the church grew by 1,110 people in three years because of prayer. True story. 1,110 people. And 600 of those people were men who became new believers in Christ. Now think about that. It's hard enough to get men in church, right? So power of prayer brought that many people to faith. And 600, 600 of those were men. So when you look at Tychicus in the Scripture... The Bible says that he was a beloved brother. You need people to go alongside of you. How many of you have people that are willing to walk alongside life with you? You need people that are beloved, that are there with you and for you. He was a faithful minister. You know, our culture, we've lost faithfulness. Many of you grew up in a time when someone's word was their bond and a handshake was all that you needed. But today's culture, people are so individualistic. Faithfulness has gone down the drain. But Tychicus was someone you could count on. He was Paul's ministry helper. What if God gave you a vision and a ministry so big you knew you couldn't do it alone? That was Paul. And I would pose to you that many of you here today, God's put a calling. You can't do it alone. You're going to need God to send you some helpers. And he was an encourager. One thing that you need in life is people that will encourage you. Because how many of us know life can be discouraging, depressing? Life can just suck the energy out of you. So you need encouragers. You need the Tychicus and you need the Barnabases who will encourage you and lift you up. As a saying I often like to hear is teamwork makes the dream work. If you want your dream to come true, you have to have a team. You have to have people that will rally around you. And as I said, if you can do it all by yourself, is it really God's dream or is it just your dream? So in conclusion, in verses 23 and 24, Paul gives us what I call the secret sauce of great relationships, a great life, a great ministry. There's five ingredients to this recipe. So for those of you who love to cook, I'm going to give you the secret sauce of great relationships, 
of great marriage, great friendships, of great ministry. Now I've got your attention, right? All right. The first one is this. Verse 23, it says, peace to the brethren. If you want great relationships, you've got to have peaceful ones, right? If there's a lot of conflict, that usually kills relationships. Whenever you pray to receive Christ, you have peace with God. But God not only wants you to have peace with Him, He wants you to have the peace of God. God to guard your hearts and minds. So pray that God will give you peace in your relationships. The second one is this, love. That's the essence of God's character. 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. So how many of you know that love makes relationships come alive, but the lack of love causes things to die? Don't you think we need to walk in love a little more? The third secret sauce ingredient is faith. It's the ability to believe God for those things that you cannot see. Now, I believe that if you struggle with faith, you're also going to struggle with having a positive, optimistic perspective. Because if you can't see the potential of what God wants to do, it can create cynicism and negativity. So the people who are negative in your life, you need to pray that God will increase their faith. Because faith is seeing something before it happens. Amen? And I really think that there's a connection between faith and faithfulness. It's hard to be faithful if you don't have faith, right? And Paul says, I've got Tychicus, and he had people that were helping him. So I want to present to you just an application as a church. Church is a team sport. You ever think about that? We each have a different gift. We're all on the same team. But let me ask you this. For those of you, how many of you played sports growing up? All right. What would happen on your team if half the players never showed up? You think you'd be a championship team or you think you would be kind of struggling a little bit, right? How come church is the only team sport where half the people don't show up half the time? You ever think about that? And think about it, on a team sport, it's fun, and I'm, 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 I'm into sports and thinking about making a comeback in basketball myself in my 30s. But, the Y League that is, I'm not trying out for NBA, too short, too slow, not good enough. But, in a team sport, you really compete to win. Now, think about it, we're competing to win a game, a trophy, a season. In Christianity, you're competing for the souls of people. Now, which is more important, winning a trophy, winning a game? Or the souls of people. We've got to compete for that which is eternal. So my, my, my encouragement as your pastor, it's okay to, to have breaks. And I, I encourage everyone to go on vacation. Please do so. But don't make it a habit of not showing up for church. Because it's a team sport. And without you, the team is going to struggle. And we need everybody to get on board. Amen? Alright, now that we chase that rabbit, let's look at the next one. Grace. So we have peace, love, and faith. The next one is grace. Did you know grace is God treating you like His Son because His Son took your sin upon Himself? So grace is God treating you as His very own Son because you've been adopted into His family. Isn't that beautiful? And grace is even when you mess up, God gives you second chances. How many of you own dogs just out of curiosity? Okay, about half the audience owns a dog. This is a true story. Um... This is a Shizu, and beautiful dog. And the owner of this beautiful Shizu was a lady named Annie. She actually owned a different one, but she owned Shizu. And uh, she sent her dog to an uncertified dog groomer, which, be careful. And she, the dog came back all cute, you know, it's beautiful Shizu, all, all attractive, had bows in the hair. 
And a few days later, one of the ears turned black. And she started trying to rub it to see what was going on, and the ear fell off. So she rushed her little Shizu, which her name was Jasmine, by the way, to the veterinarian and said, I don't know what's going on. I just had this dog groomed. She looked beautiful, bows, and the ear fell off. And upon further investigation, the veterinarian found that the dog's ear had been super glued on. The groomer had cut off the ear and, true story, and had super glued it on so that the lady wouldn't notice. So the veterinarian had to treat the ear for infection. So here's the thing. Grace, you don't have to cover things up. You can be real. You can, you can own up. If, if the, the groomer would have just confessed and owned up, they probably could have treated the ear and uh, prevented a lot of damage. But think about that. Don't we do the same with our life? We try to cover things up. And if you know about grace, you don't have to cover because God's grace covers it up for you. Amen? All right. Sincerity. That's the final ingredient. What does it mean to be sincere? To be sincere is being who you really are, owning up to your shortcomings, being authentic, genuine, and real. Another true story, and uh, for those of you from California, this story is from you. This is a California story. There was a 35-year-old man, and he was in an altercation, supposedly, with two hijackers who took over his wife's brand new car. And the wife's brand new car was crashed into a wall. And upon police investigation report, the guy finally retracted his story. It wasn't two hijackers. He made a wrong turn, a wrong move, and he crashed his brand new, he crashed his wife's brand new car into a wall. And because of his wife's potential wrath, he made up this story about being hijacked so he wouldn't get in trouble with his wife. (laughs) True story. And, you know, he had to confess to the police, you know, I, I made this whole story up because I didn't want my wife to be mad at me. Now, gentlemen, I'm glad your wives aren't that way. You can be honest and real, right? <laughs> so the truth is being sincere is owning up when you mess up, not covering it up. Whatever you cover, God uncovers. But whatever you uncover, God covers. That's what grace is. I'll say that again. Whatever you cover... God will uncover it. But whatever you uncover, God will cover it. Amen. So today we talked about unleashing your secret weapon. Passionate, persistent prayer. We've told that asking prayer, asking God to help you, can give you more boldness in your Christian life. It can help you to share your faith with others without being ashamed. And we've talked about the secret sauce to a great life, great relationships, and a great ministry. Let's see if you remember them. Peace, love, faith, grace, and sincerity. Your truth to take home is this. Prayer is the secret weapon that unlocks God's potential in your life and in your ministry. So here's your action step. Develop a better prayer life by praying persistently, comprehensively, personally, with God's assistance and with high expectations. Because if you want the armor of God to be activated in your life, Prayer is the great activator, and God will help you. Let's pray. Father, we've shared some fun stories about dogs that uh, we think it's uh, ridiculous that someone would do that. But many of us, Lord, fall short in that. We cover up. And God, we learned today that whatever we cover, you uncover. But whatever we uncover, you cover with your grace. 
Father, as a people, we've got to ask and pray for your forgiveness. For we neglect to pray as we should. So, Father, I know the prayer of my heart and everyone's heart in here is that, that we would be people, men and women of prayer, that we would see that this passionate, persistent prayer unveils and unlocks so many of God's blessings. And if there be one here today as we continue to pray that would say, Timothy, this all sounds good, but I've never prayed to receive Christ. Right where you're sitting, if you believe that Jesus is God and that you want to acknowledge him as that, you want to believe in your heart that he died in your, cross, in your place on the cross and he rose again, and just like we mentioned, confess. You're willing to confess your sin, confess your need for him. If you will, just pray a prayer of faith in your own words like this. Father, I realize I need you. I realize that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of grace. And I don't want to cover it up anymore. But I want you to take it away. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Step out of heaven and into my heart. I make you my Lord and my Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time in our closing song, the invitation is this. If there's someone in your family that you want to pray for. I mentioned there may be family members that are struggling. There may be someone with a great health issue. The altar is going to be here. You can come forward and pray. If there's someone today that needs to make a public decision to follow Christ, I'll be up front to talk to you. But we're just going to have the, the invitation. is simply if you have someone in your life that needs prayer, you can bow down and we'll pray for you. And Adam and Judy and myself will be at the front if you need personal prayer with us. This time, please stand.